the last interview, uh, Amy Novak uh, and I discussed several efforts by Verizon to support women in business. Uh, the goal of this portion of the interview is to focus on a commiserate HR approach to supporting women employees and the professional development of women. So we have with us today uh, Verizon's SVP of Global Talent, Sam Hammock. It is Hammock, right? Or is it Hammock? That's correct. Okay. Hammock. <laughs> I mean, you never know, really. Um, Sam has been leading the HR Talent Center of Excellence, uh, also known as the COE, for Verizon since December 2020, so recently. She brings a rich background in development where she implemented a culture of continuous learning and created strategies to reinforce talent readiness. Uh, we're so pleased to have you with us today. Thank you for joining us. No, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. It is my pleasure. Um, so in the last part of the part of the interview, we talked about some of the some of the programs that Verizon has to support women, um, all of which sound excellent. Uh, in this one, I wanted to focus a little bit more on some of the HR aspects and what HR needs to know about these things. Uh, one of the things we talked about was, you know, how many women have left the workforce over the last year. It's, uh, it's far too many. It's undone years of progress. And something like four out of five women, no, four out of five people that left over the last year because of the pandemic were women. So obviously I think this represents a crisis. Um, can, I guess the first question is how can employers better support women during, uh, I believe you guys, did you coin the term she session? I did not. And I don't believe Verizon coined the term she session, <laughs> but I love it. The first woman's recession before but I mean whatever you call it it's clearly a crisis so at just a sort of very basic level what can employers do no well well first I would I absolutely agree I think we we are in a crisis um with women leaving the workforce at unprecedented rates and to your point you are absolutely right that we are undoing decades of progress uh through these numbers and we can't deny, we can't deny the progress that we've made. If you look over the last decade, the data shows us, right? We have way more women on boards. We have more women in the C-suites. We have more women in the workforce in general. And we are, we are losing our ground that we have gained. And what worries me is, and of course, in every crisis, there's opportunity. Um, and so, but what are we going to do about it? And what worries me is that these numbers take a really long time to shift. It is a very large ship to turn. And so how we have to stop, we have to stop the exiting now. Uh, and then we're going to have to action really intensely on how do we fix it. And so to your question, first of all, I would say that like life integration is critical. It is the reality that we live in. We cannot continue to have these separate channels where you have a work life, and you have a, a, a life life <laughs> where, where we're human outside of work. And so the integration that we have to acknowledge of who we are and how we coexist between the two is critical. And if you think about it, we, we continue to work in a system that was designed 100 years ago, Monday through Friday, nine to five. We've not, we have not changed that paradigm. We, and how we're, and, and so people have had to exist in two different worlds, right? Work and life. 
So certainly when I became started my career, that was apparent and it still is. And as a society and as corporations, I think that's going to be the number one thing that we're going to have to take a very deep look at is how do we change the narrative around that? How do we look at, take a deeper look at policies? Uh, what is real? What is not? How can we build these real world solutions that are going to actually allow us to feel like we can be flexible? There's a lot of great talk track around that we have it, but we actually need the action behind what does the system look like that supports that. Yeah, I, I agree entirely. One of the major issues I've identified as I've talked about this and explored this over the last year is that employers have this sort of ongoing, I'm going to call it a delusion, that people, women, particularly our parents, but working mothers have 40 hours of time because they don't. You know, even, and if they do, it's at great personal cost because you're doing it when you should be resting, when you should be relaxing, when you should be, you know, talking to your friend, whatever it is, you're taking time out of those critical parts of your day that help us all stay sane. Uh, and that's the, that's kind of like the best case scenario is that some people that were able to get home are able to do that. But, you know, for essential employees, uh, there's no choice. If there's no one around to look after your kid, you have to go home and look after your kid. You know, daycare shut down. I mean, at least schools are kind of opening again and, and some of the daycares are, but schools were shut down. There literally was no choice. And so if you have a rigid system that says you've got to put in the time or else you don't, you don't get valued and you don't get paid, it just doesn't work. They can't coexist. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you completely. And so to your point around, we don't necessarily have that traditional 40 hours. And by the way, if we do, looking at your typical eight to five or nine to five day, uh, look where if you are a caregiver or a parent, you know, you've just now talked about like, it's exactly when we're doing like school drop off and our, our systems are, are colliding. They're not integrating, they're colliding. Yeah. I mean, it was hard to get to the bank in a nine to five life, you know, and that's just an errand. How are you supposed to fit a whole education, a childcare you know, system into there? It just, it's not possible. And I've talked to a lot of people about it because what is the solution? You know, how do you, how do you integrate those? Yeah, well, I mean, so, so first of all, there's a couple of things on how I think we can integrate it. And I talked about, I think we do need to take a very deep look at what are we willing to change our paradigms on? What can we push some of those orthodoxies on? You know, you talked about the 40-hour work week, the traditional, let's call it the traditional 40-hour work week, right? Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. Um, are we willing to look at a flexible way to do that? And I think in many ways, some of the silver linings that we've seen in the pandemic over the last 12 months, we have seen people need to be more flexible in their schedules yeah. and to accommodate those things. You mentioned homeschooling, um, being caregivers, all of those things came into play and we saw some really positive outlook in the way that people were flexing their time and we saw employers being like oh yeah i don't care when the work gets done as long as it gets done and so this notion of creating those flexible times um i think that the thing that's going to also be really critical to how do we integrate that is more openness around how we flex 
So yes, a silver lining has been, we saw lots of like, hey, if I want to do my work at 9 p.m., guess what? The quality of the work was just as good as when I was doing it at 11 a.m. And so definitely we have opened that mindset. And I think the amazing flexibility in thinking about performance and quality in those realms, that's great. Uh, one thing we do need to get better about, and I think we're going to have to, into, to, to your point, drive the integration is the system is this notion that, but that doesn't mean you're always going to be accessible in each other's hours. And yeah. so that is one thing is I have seen in the pandemic, amazing flexibility, this great notion of, you know, everyone's on a level playing field. We get, we're to this, the way that we can assess people is great, but the expectation of accessibility has been a little bit of an issue. So people are finding flexibility, but they're actually working more hours. So we have to figure out a way. We can't integrate it like that. That's not integration. <laughs> so how are we going to set that balance? And I think the systems we can we can start to create that, right? So the empathy in the situation, how we're going to have a workforce shift. We're absolutely going to be living in the future with distributed workforces. Uh, and that's a great thing. Like we can use that to our advantage as we think about how we're going to integrate those. So all all wonderful things that I think we can progress on. One of the, the issues is that, you know, clearly despite all this flexibility, women have left though. And, you know, when you look at the stats, it's, mo it's a lot of people that are, you know, they tend to be in the, the service class, the people that, that are our nurses, that are our caretakers, that are our kindergarten teachers, uh, tend to be a lot of women work in those fields more than men. And those are the ones where you literally can't go home. You can't go home, you have to be there. And it's like, and so if your kid's at home and you're at work, it just doesn't work. So one of the problems is that if you were to say like, take less time, like let's say someone's working half time, you know, if they're hourly, that creates HR issues, um, especially if they're hourly. And then the other thing is, is that um, people that work part-time don't get valued. They don't get, mm -hmm raises they don't they're not even seen as really in many cases full employees despite the fact that someone might be able to do most of their job in half the amount of time what are what are your thoughts around that kind of issue well i'll, I'll focus on the latter part of that because i do agree we have a a huge crisis around the areas of employment and the industries that you just listed, right? So some of our um, elementary school teachers and nurses and things like that, where your job is out of the house and we are paid hourly. So yes, we can offer part-time things, but like, how are people going to make ends meet? So that is definitely a crisis that we've got to figure out how we're going to solve. On the other piece of, yeah, but are we all, do we have an issue where if we are offering part-time solutions, are we valuing and recognizing those people on an equal bar? Is there equity in the system? And I think that is something that we will have to continue to look at and we'll actually have to change the system in and be willing to change the system in how we, what I would call the talent practices and processes that many corporations have, right? So how do we assign our performance ratings? How do we talk about our um, talent systems that are kind of saying, hey, here's where we're giving talent ratings, high potential views, career ch challenges, prod new projects. 
I actually believe that one of the things we'll need to do is, will we be willing to think about these as two workforces? Because if we're constantly going to compare them together, we are going to constantly run into the challenge that you're, you're you know, outlining, which exists. It exists. And so I think we need to think about um, redefining the system and allowing ourselves to think about these workforces in different ways and both very valuable. Yeah, I agree entirely. Um, why don't we shift gears just briefly to talk about those that have left the workforce. You know, I don't think that the paradigm shift you're talking about is going to happen overnight or possibly ever, depending on how things go. How do we get those people back into the workforce? How do we get women back back to work now? Now. Well, one thing I would say that we need to to do, one, to keep women in the workforce, and then to your point, how do we get them feeling like they should come back to the workforce? A small but important note is this self-guilt we also have. Females have this high desire for self-proclaimed perfection, and even though we are in many companies we're putting the right systems in place. We're telling the right thing. We're leading and coaching with empathy and compassion and saying, take the time that you need, but we want to deliver, right? Like we're, we're really, we hold really high standards for ourselves. And so we feel like, I know they said that, but if I can't do the most perfect job, I feel like I should remove myself because I don't want to be seen as I wasn't doing a good job during this time. I wasn't able to be the best mother that I could be and the best top performer at work that I could be. So we're, we're actually removing ourselves through some of that. So I think one of the talk tracks we've got to help women is the one that we tell ourselves. Yeah. So that would be one thing we need to work on is listen, we know you're not perfect. We don't need that right now, <laughs> but we want you to stay. And if you need to do those things, so it's, it's talk isn't enough. We actually have to show them it's okay uh, on that piece as well. And then to your point on like when they come back to the workplace, I think, you know, a couple of things I would say to prepare to come back and how we come back. One, um, I would say like transparency is, is royalty in my mind. And so as you think about when you enter the workforce again, just be really honest. So these gaps in your appointment, don't try to just pretend, you know, not dress them. I would actually label it, label the gap, right? And then it's, it, it's, there is advantage of that. You, there are skills. If you did leave the workforce, trust me, everyone gets it. Um, and there's really great ways that we can link and label the skills that were happening in what you would call traditional gap of, of you know, paid employment. But what you're doing, being a caregiver is employment. There's project management. There's development of the people around you. There's so much that I think we should actually acknowledge as skill and experience when we talk about that. So that would be one, the honesty, transparency, telling that full story. Um, and then when you get to those stages where you're having conversations, embrace your whole self. So I talked about this, this notion of we've got to integrate whole self and work self. And I think that story needs to continue to be told. So I'd much rather speak to a candidate on, you know, how they helped their fourth grade conquer multiplication or volunteered to sew masks for frontline workers than I would try to just ignore that there's a lapse in, in employment and just be like, oh, I wasn't working at that time. Have the conversation. Yeah, it's, you're the 
first person I've talked to who said that. Um, that's a, a really good point. I mean, as a parent myself, especially before the pandemic, I mean, I might as well have a master's degree in corrugating schedules. I mean, it was crazy. Both my wife and I worked at the same place and our care, care was like sometimes there and sometimes it was in another town. Sometimes you have to drive there. I mean, I feel like all we talked about was scheduling, you know, for like yeah. a long time. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And guess what we all know too? I bet that job is a hell of a lot harder than some of the aspects of your day job. So, so we should talk about it. We should. Um, I want to focus a little bit towards the end of this on Verizon's, you know, efforts towards, you know, clearly, clearly you and um, Amy are very passionate about this. And that's been a big driving force behind Verizon's uh, various projects to, to help women. So what, what are you guys doing, I guess, from an HR perspective, if you can, to support, to support your workforce? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let me touch a little bit on that and then let me know if you want to go deeper on anything. So things that have always been important at Verizon, what has always been on, but it certainly has been beneficial and critical during this pandemic, parental leave, pay equity, part-time roles with benefits. Um, are the way that we invest in de development of our women. So we have a Women of the World Development Program where people opt in. It truly drives a network, gives skills, helps manage careers. We have our, our women engagement networks. And how are we doing that? So all those things continue to be huge driving forces in the way that we support and develop women at Verizon. Then we have a couple of, you know, things that are specific that we started during the COVID pandemic. Um, ex expanded backup care, uh, caregiver leave, um, flexible work arrangements. And caregiver leave was also amazing. Like not only would maybe you need to leave, but what if you're having someone come in because you need support with caregiver and paying them? So those are like really extra benefits that I think supported our colleagues um during this time and then we look at the future like so what are we changing in the future which is what we've been talking about the way to work forward exploring how when where we work how are we going to challenge these these paradigms that we were talking about and what does it look like and then how are we helping women of the future and so one thing that we're doing is we are launching a collab to help women thrive in this increasingly digital world it is going to be uh, it was just announced earlier this month is going to be a career engine that will bring together best-in-class resources to support and empower women to own their careers and realize their ambitions. So we know that our careers are not expendable in a crisis, and we need to continue to, you know, drive this forward. And so how do we bring people together? How do we have what I would call like this, this digital lab, this digital place where we can go, where we can connect, where we can network, and we can give access to these resources that companies have amazing rich resources and we need to open the doors to that to women in the workforce and in the potential workforce sounds really great i'm excited i'm excited about it I particularly and i talked about this um with amy a little bit but i'm particularly interested in the mentoring potential um as part of that is that is collab gonna have mentoring as part of its part of its um program 
It may in the future. Uh, right now, what we're doing is we want to get something out quick. And so it will be really about these resources, but people will be able to connect to each other. And in the future, that's definitely something that we'll explore. It seems like putting together a network of enough mentors to be able to handle whatever number of influx of people that take CoLab would be some crazy coordinating, I mean. Uh, so yeah. I, I definitely understand that. I like the idea of people being to connect to each other and the forming of a community. Yeah. That's not being alone because you can feel very alone. You know, yeah. I mean, I take care of my kid plenty of times and I'm, I do everything I can to support my wife if she wants to, if she needs to take extra time to work, if she needs to go yeah. do something. And so I know how isolating it can be to be home alone yeah. with your kid. And not that that's, and there's guilt there because you don't want to be like, oh, I'm feeling isolated. I'm supposed to like be happy because it's my kid and it's my, you know, it's just, I, I can't even imagine what that would be like on a almost permanent basis, you know? So yeah. just having the knowledge that there's other people that are doing the same thing that you're doing and to be able to see them or talk to them would be huge, yeah. huge. Well, you're in this business, so you get it, but man, there is power in stories and there's power in knowing that you're not alone in what you're experiencing. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, any final thoughts before we start to wrap this up? What are we not talking about? I know. I was just thinking through, what have we not talked about? This has been an awesome conversation. I love I love how you're thinking uh, through this. But I think we covered a lot of the top. I mean, I could sit here talking about, about this for the next couple of hours on, you know, things we need to, to shift and be open to. But um, I think we've covered the big things. Yeah, I mean... To me, the biggest thing is really that change, and I, it's something I've been waiting for forever, the change to the established work week. It's just, it's, it doesn't make any sense anymore. 40 hours a week doesn't make any sense anymore. It's been proven over and over again in study after study that's been done overseas that you can get more um, you know, productivity out of your employees when they work less. Well, there's lots of people talking about it. I'm sure you've seen all the press and the articles around there. So Yeah, they've been cropping up for a while, but I think in the context of the pandemic, it really might finally happen. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you having the conversation with me and you bringing this topic. Yeah, me too. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs>